boxes for the children for the Christmas program is, uh, is, uh, are supposed to be in the day. We're going to try to get them together to ship out this next week. And if you forgot to bring them back today and you have a couple of them, I'm sure you could give Brad Gilson a call and, and bring them right there because he's going to put them together for shipping. But uh, we only have a day or so after to do that. So uh, if uh, you still have one and you want, or you want to take one, fill it up and bring it in that way. Feel free to do so. Um, starting this Tuesday night at 6, uh, we will be having our uh, study group meeting again and we'll be studying the book of John. And um, we're uh, we'll be meeting at Kathy's uh, in my house. Uh, that's 1399 Weber Street, uh, just off uh, Jordan, and uh, so on the corner of Jordan and Weber. And so we're just uh, letting you know that we're getting started back on that. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, are, we've got a bunch of material out there. It's really interesting. We've got updates on the ministry that they're doing. Uh, we also have the daily breads for December, January, February out there on the table, along with a large print daily bread. And if you choose to use that, note that it doesn't have any dates in it. It's, it's just a, it's a trial uh, issue to see how it goes and, and to help people that uh, need the large print uh, for reading. So those are available out there as well. Um, I think we covered the things that need to be announced. In the way of uh, prayer needs, uh, we need to continue to pray for Phil Scriber. Uh, he may be coming home this week, uh, and so we need to pray uh, that we're able to uh, help get him home. Uh, we will have to, uh, the, the place where he is does not have transportation to bring him home, so we're going to have to figure out how to get him home. Uh, so. Uh, if you have any uh, ideas or thoughts on that, or if you're willing to have time to maybe help at some point when it comes up, uh, give me a call and we'll see what we can coordinate together. And uh, also, Arlene said that she's going to need, when Phil gets home, she's going to need help for two to three hours a day uh, through the week uh, for the first few weeks because. Uh, she needs to get Phil up and walking around, and she won't be physically able to do that. So if you're interested in getting on a list to help do that, uh, even if you only do it once or twice, uh, it'll be a big help. So uh, uh, let me know, and uh, we'll work that out. Uh, Diane, Diane still needs our prayers. She's in Sonoma, Bill's in Santa Rosa. Um, and Kathleen Spockman is recovering from surgery, so keep her in prayer. And uh, also, uh, Wendell and Angela Bott, uh, just health issues in their home, and uh, keep them in prayer. And then I just put down here personal needs. It seems like there's just a lot of things going on that uh, maybe aren't things you can publicly deal with or bring up in a public format, but still you need God's blessing. and. In God's direction. So I, I just put personal needs down on my prayer list here. Are there any others that we need to mention this morning? Okay, let's pray. Father, we come to you first acknowledging you are the God of all creation. You are the healer. You are the one who saves us. 
uh, we come to you with a confidence. Lord, you tell us we can approach your throne in confidence for your mercy and your grace. And that's exactly what we do this morning. We pray your mercy and your grace will fulfill Diane, Kathleen, uh, Wendell, Angela, others with personal needs, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you just be with each of us and, and meet us where our needs are and help us to be well. We don't hesitate to pray for your healing hand to move through the congregation, especially for Phil and Diane and Kathleen, Wendell and Angela, and uh, touch their bodies. And Lord, in the area of personal needs, it could be so many different things. Uh, and we just bring our congregation to you and ask for you to minister to the needs of our body. And with that, we also ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we open your word this morning and share in the message. And we ask again that you would move in our hearts and our minds to draw us close to you and close together. In Jesus' name. In your reading this week, you're going to be looking through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Uh, and I, I put here, compared to the letters of, of uh, to Rome and the letters to the Corinthians, these are very short letters. And uh, they, but they are absolutely full of tremendous information in the sense of how to apply the work of Christ in our salvation to our daily walk and to, to work and, and walk with, uh, with the Lord. And so uh, I remind you what we shared a few uh, weeks ago from Romans chapter 12, where it says to, to be offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I look at these letters, and there's much in here that is there to help renew our minds, to strengthen our walk with Christ, and to give us a way to think from a biblical perspective and a Christ perspective. Uh, and so we start, I, I thought we should start with the same idea again, Romans 12. Present your bodies, the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And... Uh, we begin by not conforming to the world, but being transformed. And this idea of being transformed is is uh, being changed from the inside out. In other words, it, it's it's to uh, well, the actual word is metamorphosis. It's to totally change. But we don't physically change, but our spiritual change. Is, is to be complete. In other words, we're no longer be a part of the world, but to be a part of the kingdom of God and make this transformation uh, through his word by the renewing of our mind. Uh, able to discern the will of God. And we find the will of God in his word. Uh, so, like I said, these letters deal with the renewing of our mind. We'll be talking about all four of them this morning. And uh, so I'm just going to pick up on, on what grabbed my attention as I read through them. Uh, we only have time for a few scriptures from these four letters uh, if we're to look at them. And so uh, we, I started with Galatians chapter 3 and verses 13 and 14. 
it speaks of how Christ has redeemed us. Uh, just uh, go ahead and, and look at uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was the reality that the law pointed out sin, and, and sin has to be paid for by a perfect sacrifice. And while animals were used to sacrifice, they were tainted by sin because they're part of this world and part of, of, of what is in this world today. And as a result, they, they only could put off the pain of the penalty of sin. And so the curse of the law was that sin was hanging over us. And so Christ redeemed us from this curse. He delivered us from this curse. Uh, by becoming the curse for us. In other words, taking on our sin on him. And so it says, it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, which is a reference out of Deuteronomy. The idea of being hung on a tree was a, a, a picture, uh, an early picture of what had not even been seen yet as, as the crucifixion on the cross cross was something that came all, along with the Roman Empire uh, just shortly before uh, the, the time of Christ. So cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Galatia was an area made up of Gentile cities. And so Paul is making sure that they understand they are included in God's plan. Go back to when we, we looked at, at Abraham. It says the nations would, you know, would be blessed through Abraham's seed, singular. And that seed is a representation of Jesus Christ, the seed of, 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 of Abraham. And so Christ Jesus is the blessing of Abraham that would be sent and come to the Gentiles and uh, they would receive the promised spirit through faith. The same way everybody receives Jesus Christ. We receive the spirit by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And as Romans puts it, we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ raised from the dead. And so in that context, we have this, this, this picture of, of the opening of the, the coming into a relationship with Christ to all the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And this is uh, what is referred to as a mystery in the Old Testament. And it's revealed in the New Testament in Christ. And here we see Paul acknowledging that. If we were to... Uh, Move ahead to the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 1. We'll look at, at, at a picture of this redemption process. Uh, start with chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In other words, nothing held back. All the blessings God has to offer are available to us. Sometimes not immediately, but in His timing, but they are things that we will have access to and be uh, available to us as we need them. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons in Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The beloved is Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. There's nothing that we do to earn this. There's nothing that we bring to earn this. This continued to be a problem that Paul had to address multiple times in the sense that people were getting sidetracked and saying, well, you must be, in some cases they were saying, you must become a Jew and then you can accept Christ. The Jewish Christians were having a difficult time with that. And what he is saying is, is that the, the God's grace has been poured out on us and it has nothing to do with whether you're a Jew or Gentile, but it has to do with your confession and your belief, your faith in what God has done. And he says, so the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Grace is unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but he pours it out on us. And in fact, it says, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It's an amazing picture. God's salvation is from his grace. Unmerited faith. A gift that cannot be earned, cannot be purchased. Doesn't matter. You know, I, I've, I've been uh, in places over the years where uh, there's certain people there that they have a pattern of their giving. They're extremely generous. And in this one place I recall, they, they, they showed up to church once a quarter to maintain their membership. And if you missed a quarter, you were put on inactive. You know, and there's all these legalistic things that go with that. And yet, this person was the most generous giver. We're talking thousands and thousands of dollars every year. And in talking with him, he really believed that that was his end with God. It isn't. Our end with God is his grace, his mercy, his love. His purchasing of our grace, our salvation, on the cross, pouring out His own blood, dying on the cross. We're blessed through Jesus Christ. He is our Redeemer. He has redeemed us. And it says here, we have been chosen for adoption. This idea of adoption, uh, again, if you went back to the book of Romans, it tell us, that we are adopted, we are joint heirs with Jesus, is what it means. We are made children of God. We are adopted, and and we're not second class. We are part of the family of God. 
There's none of us that are more important within the framework of the family of God. Each person is equally loved, equally blessed, and equally saved by His grace and His mercy. Redemption comes through His blood, which He has lavished this grace upon all who believe. Looking at Philippians, I I, I picked a particular scripture that you're probably quite familiar with. Uh, It's in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It tells us how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, accomplished this work. How he accomplished our redemption. What he did to redeem us. In verse 5, let's start there of chapter 2. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I have to stop there for a moment and say, recall John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is Jesus Christ. And it says later on in verse 14 of chapter 1, And the Word became flesh. That's what it's talking about here. The Word became flesh. Jesus Christ became flesh. In the, and, and He was in the form of God, but He did not count equality with God a thing that He grasped. Why? Because He had. But He made Himself nothing by emptying Himself. He made Himself nothing. He emptied Himself taking the form of a servant. The word here is actually bondservant, one who is selling himself for a purpose to, 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 to do a particular service. He was born in a likeness of men. Again, that picture. And the word became flesh in both minds. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. I think of what John says again in, in, in the Gospel of John, and that's John chapter 1 still, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away this sin of the world. The result of what Christ has done is that it says God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that it the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, powerful verses. He emptied himself, made himself nothing, became a servant even to the point of, of, of dying on the cross. That's how far he humbled himself. And in the process of this he was exalted, lifted up above all things through his resurrection, his name above all names. In Colossians chapter 2, look at verses 12 through 15. You have been buried with Christ in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven us our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt and stood against us with that stood against us with its legal demands. What are the legal demands of, of the law in reference to sin? Yeah. True. Canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This is set aside. He nailed it to the cross. He just, as a result, he disarmed the rulers and authorities, meaning the demonic and the devil and, and those who had authority over death. He disarmed those rulers and authorities and put them into open shame by triumphing over them in him. How did he triumph over them? Resurrection. It showed that he had the power of life and death. He held the keys. He's in charge. Those, and we read through these verses again, we see that those who have received Jesus Christ as Savior, it says they've been buried and raised with Him through baptism. I want to emphasize, baptism does not save you. It's not an act that you do in reference to securing your salvation. If you were to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and die before you were baptized, no consequence. You are in Christ. You are saved. The idea of baptism is on our part to identify ourselves with Jesus Christ. To, if you think about it, and this is why we practice baptism as with an immersion or being, some people call it dunk, but put under the water. is so that you can see it this way. This would be the water. We are baptized. We are put under the water. And the water comes over us. That becomes the grave. It's symbolic of the grave. We've been buried with Christ in symbolism. And then as we come up out, out of the water, we are resurrected with Christ. We're already saved when this happens. You know, it's, it's, it's us identifying with what Christ has done for us. It tells us that we've been forgiven. Tells us that our debt of sin, a debt of sin, has been canceled, and that in the resurrection of Christ there is victory over death, and that in the canceling of our sin it was done through Jesus Christ nailing it to the cross, as He was nailed to the cross, and as He died on the cross, our sin was canceled. So what's our response to this? Well, in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 17, we get a picture of response. And now, this is right there. Let's look at that right now. Our response to what Christ has done for us is to put on, uh, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. By the way, that's a powerful statement. To be forgiven as God has forgiven us. That means with no repercussion, no recall, I'm not going to pick the 
this up and throw it at you at some future date, it's complete forgiveness. So you also must forgive, and above all, means put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You see this idea of renewal coming in here, this renewing of our mind, the renewing of who we are. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Put on these things of Christ. It says, but above all, put on love. This word love is the agape love, the unconditional love. It's not something that you, uh, that anybody earns from you. It's that you give it to them. It's not a friendship love. It's above and beyond that. It says, basically, no matter what you do or say, I still love you. Have this kind of love working in you. First, towards the ones that are close to you, and then within the framework of your church family, but even in your community to non-believers. We are to love and to, and to pursue them with Christ's love. So above all these things, put on love. And then it says, with the light of Christ in everything you do, in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus. Do it in, in, in Him. The idea of word here is anything that you you mouth or anything you think. Uh-oh. It's one thing to guard your mouth but it's in your tongue, but it's another thing to, to realize that this is to be anything we think as well. And Jesus made it really clear in the Sermon on the Mount. We commit murder in our thoughts by thinking evil of someone. So that's what it's summing up here for. It's just this everything you do in word or do, do in the name of Jesus Christ. The deed is actions. All of your actions. And that has to do with the way you even look at somebody. Have you ever got that look from somebody <laughs> that you know you're, in, you know, you're, you're, you've done something somehow that's offended them, hurt them, or they just don't, you know, maybe they've you know, seen you walking out of church and they look at you like, oh, you're one of those, you know, uh, but you're in your tendency, or what happens to us, you know, we're, we've been waiting for our parking space and so patiently, and then this person turns with a wide, wide angle just misses the front end of your car so that they can turn and come back in the opposite direction and take the space you were just waiting for. What's your attitude? It's supposed to be Christ-like. And what you think and what you do. No humping your horn unless you know them well and you want to wait at them. You know. Uh, so life with Christ is everything we do, word and deed. 
done with this idea of love and, and this idea of putting on love covered into that. Going back to the book of Philippians, uh, just a couple pages in chapter 4 of Philippians, verses 8 and 9. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, is there any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You catch yourself through the week because the news has been so sour that you're finding yourself being grumpy and, and, and uncomfortable and displeased, uh, whatever. Paul says, that's the fallen world. Don't be surprised. No, what you're supposed to do is to think about the things that are godly, of God, and, and good, and beautiful. And as we look around, you know, some people, uh, you know, we forget even what a beautiful area we happen to live in. What an amazing thing God's creation is. And to be able to behold it and to walk in it. Uh, in such a way as we can by just driving a few miles out of town and be in the midst of some of the most amazing trees in the world. It's, you know, think of the beautiful things and, and dwell on this. And, and the idea, this idea of dwelling on this is change the way you think. You're coming back to this idea of transformation. Transforming your mind. Renewing your mind. Change the things you focus on. In Ephesians chapter 4, again going back a, a few more pages again, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 23, uh, Paul tells us, Put off your old self, the unsafe person, the mannerisms of the unsafe person, the way the world thinks, the worldly self, that's the old self. The self that belongs to the world. But now that you are in Christ, there's a transformation going on. There's a renewing of the mind. So put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, the sanctified self, the self that's becoming like Christ, the process of sanctification. By the way, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen in a year. It's a process of life. And we will be dealing with this idea of the putting off the old self and putting on the new self until we depart from this earth. The neat thing is, the longer we are at it, the, the, the more it has a testimony and a witness to the family and to others as they see you continue to grow in Christ. It's an amazing thing. Put off your old self. Put on the new self. And in Ephesians 
chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, ye imitators of God, as beloved children, again, here it comes, and walk in love. Put on love, now it's walk in love. Not just to put it on for a, a moment or, or but now to begin to walk with an attitude of love for Christ and what He's done for you, and allow that to transform the way you look and see other people, and you realize that you start to have the eyes of Christ and the ears of Christ as you look at other people, and the need to sometimes you might even find yourself as you're looking at someone spontaneously feeling the need to pray for them. You don't even know who they are. But that's the Lord working. This idea of uh, put off the old, put on the new is extremely important. Be imitators of God. Walk in love as Jesus Christ did and offer the sacrifice to God. Again, it parallels the idea of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, you know, verse 1 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now in verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk. To look carefully means to examine the way you live your life. Is it consistent with what we have been reading? Is it consistent with what God is trying to, to show us? And if it isn't, don't be tearing yourself down saying, I'm never going to get it. Realize that it's the area of prayer and asking God to continue to work in you. Look carefully in how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. And when it says the days are evil, what it means is we live in a fallen world. It doesn't mean that the days are beginning to have become evil all of a sudden, at, at, at some point. They've been evil since sin entered the world. And so, be aware that we live in a fallen, sinful world. Don't be surprised. Someone cuts you off, don't be surprised. Ask a blessing on them. You're at the post office and, and, and somebody butts in front of you. <laughs> Bless them. The idea is, is, is to develop this attitude of looking at people and saying, they need the love of Christ. We all do. You're thinking about something and, and someone comes up in your mind and just, you don't even know why, you're thinking about them from church. Offer them up as a word of prayer. Lord, bless them in whatever they're, they're doing Whatever they need. That's what God wants from us. That, by the way, you know there's a scripture that says pray without ceasing. That's what it means. Walk with an attitude of prayer. Make, here we're to make the best use of our time. Which means we've been given a gift of time. Are we using it for self and self alone to our advantage and to what we can get out of it? 
or are we prepared to sacrifice our time to bless other people? And it's an amazing how that becomes an attitude of, of, of giving becomes a lifestyle and becomes a blessing to give, not to receive The world is fallen. It doesn't proclaim Jesus Christ. But we can still continue to ask God to bless and, and minister to even the fallen world. Now, I looked at this idea of evil days. How do you feel about evil, the idea of evil days, the way it's put here? I, what does that do to you in the sense of thinking? I, I have to confess, the first time I said the days are evil, it was almost a down. So I have to put that into the context and just say days are evil. Not in just any day. All time. You know, the world is a fallen world. It doesn't declare Jesus Christ. Our schools can't be what declare Christ. It's against the law. Our government can't declare Christ. It's against the law. You know, and, and so we have all of these issues. And, and, and so the world is, is reflecting a fallen place. And it says, as a result, it, it's, it's the days are evil. This will mean drastically evil necessarily, but even we are still sinners and fall short. You all have heard my artichoke picture, I think you might recall it, and, and, and the idea of an artichoke, if you're an artichoke connoisseur, is that you want to get through the heart. Okay? And so you start with the leaves, but there is this meat on the leaves that you can scrape off with your teeth and and you might get the garlic butter or some kind of a dressing or mayonnaise or whatever and 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 you, you get through the leaves and the leaves start coming off fairly easy. And then you get closer to the to to the, the end of the leaves, they actually have little thorns on them that can actually stick you. But you get it all out and get all the heart and you think, boy, I'm right almost I'm almost to the heart. And you get there and what's left before you eat that heart? It's the pistol. You know Artichokes are just a weed. And that's the thistle. Have you ever seen an artichoke bloom? And, and, and you, you recognize, you know, it's just a big, huge dandelion. And, and, and uh, you've got to get the thistle out of there before you can eat the heart. And if the artichoke, if I were kind of, in a sense, the artichoke, a metaphor, the artichoke is a metaphor for me. God wants to get to my heart. In my Christian walk, in the process of building me in Christ, he's been pulling out the leaves and getting rid of the, the excess stuff, trying to get to the heart. But now, if, if he's gotten to that, that part where the thistle is there, actually the most painful part of growing in Christ is yet ahead of us. Because that has to be what? Scraped or cut or you can enjoy the heart. I just use that as a picture of saying, we're going to be going through this process of growth in Christ uh, for our lives. And so we live in, in, in a fallen, evil world, and quite candidly, we still contribute to some of that. Because we still sin and fall short of the glory of God. As a result, we desperately need His grace working in us to change us and to motivate us to be more and more and more of what Christ wants us to be. 
And so we look at this uh, this this world. I, I, I put it here, evil days. Uh, it almost seems like it would be an obstacle to doing the work of God, but it actually is an opportunity. I never really clearly thought about this 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 way. I, I've said it before, but I don't give it some thought in my own thinking, and and presents opportunity to Christian witness. Evil days are fault result of the sin, the fall. You know, and so they're there. What does God want us to do? He wants us to use it as an opportunity to witness the grace of Christ. And I think of when somebody did that for me. You know Breakfast, lunch, cafe. Over oh, nineteen seventy six. And you know, I, I didn't set the word right away. I just said, you got me to think. You just, uh, and, and I wasn't the person that could even know. We just ended up sitting out in a crowded room at a table together. He took the opportunity that was presented to him. And, and, and in a room full of people that fall short of the glory of God and probably the majority unsaved, he speaks out the message of Christ and salvation. There's trials and tribulations around us. Jesus said there's going to be trials and tribulations. Over and over in Scripture we see trials and tribulations. They're going to be there. And the thing is, is that what the world's going to see if we are being grown up in Christ, if we're being uh, sanctified in Christ, if we're in that process of, of growing and becoming Christ-like, people are going to see that we react differently to the trials and the tribulations. We are not the same. And that puts them in a place where they turn around and say, why are you different? Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 3, about being prepared to give a witness. Some people are going to come up and say, how did you get through that? Why are you the way you are? Oh, I saw this situation in the office. I saw that person come down that, that, that uh, the, the boss come after you, and, and for no reason it was, uh, it was, you know, how could you just sit there and, 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 and not become uh, angry? Because that's not the question. Huh? Giving the opportunity, I'll shake it. Be prepared. You might say, oh, okay, let's talk about it, won't you? We're different. Instead of being torn down by trials and tribulations, we're actually built up in them. They actually strengthen our life. We actually learn to find peace in Jesus Christ, but other people find uh, nothing but, but fear. We find peace. And the biggest peace we find is the reality that we are at peace with God because of Jesus Christ. 
We've been saved. We've gone to heaven. You know, Paul says to live as Christ, to die as gain. We've got to be. The worst thing the world can do is take away my life and I win. And so, this is this picture. In the midst of this world and the trials and tribulations, we have already won. Because we're in Christ. That's why Paul can say, Oh, death, where is your sting? not that we're supposed to run around looking forward to dying. Don't misunderstand that. There's some people who think death has now become our friend. No, death is, death is here because of sin. And it's never our friend. But it can't stop anything that Christ has started. In fact, it says very distinctly in Philippians, God is going to finish the work that he started in me. I will be complete. I will be whole. I will be the adopted child of God, I will be perfect in every way because that's what God is going to do. And all who believe, all who have confessed with their mouth and believe in the heart of Jesus Christ, grace. We opportunities to, to share uh, and the opportunity to witness. And one of the things that, that I, I realized as I was finishing the thoughts up to on this was one of the, 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 the pictures of, of, of what we witnessed is just sharing community. It is a testimony. It is a witness of what Christ has done. It is to remind us constantly of what Christ has done. We share in the cup, which is, is representing the blood of Christ spilled and poured out. It represents the death of Christ. So that our sins will be covered. The bread represents his flesh. He came in the flesh. And it goes clear back to where it started. He emptied himself and became a man. That was the beginning of his sacrifice. And he lived as a man. He died on the cross in the flesh. And when he was resurrected, he was resurrected in the flesh. So that we can know that that covers us too. And so as we share communion, we have the, the, this wonderful picture of what Christ has done for us. Um, what I'd like to, to, to do is explain something for you this morning. Uh, I'm going to do communion a little bit different than we've done as we make adjustments trying to get back to some semblance of normalcy uh, after all of this COVID stuff and, and rules and stuff coming out and saying what you can do and shouldn't do and can't do. And so what we have up here is the communion, the setup. You'll have the choice today. To either take from this tray, and I can tell you it was prepared with clean hands, gloves, plastic gloves, and it's all the precautions that were taken. Okay? And, you know, or you can use the packet. There's the packets up here that we've been using. Now, I'm going to take one for myself here. What you're going to find is that there's two cups. One of them has 
the bread, and then on top is the juice, so we have it, so that you can just pick them up. And you're going to, this is what you will have to do, though. You will have to, while we're singing a communion song, come up and get the communion. If somebody wants to get one for someone else so that not everybody has to come up, that's fine as well. Uh, but uh, make sure they know that you're getting it for them and that they want you to. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, with all that mind, we'll go with either one. Uh, and uh, we'll share communion in a few minutes. Have the worship team come back up, please. And uh, we'll share communion together.
if you chose to use the package, you might go ahead and open them, uh, open them now. I've got a scripture that I'm going to share from the First Corinthians chapter 11. says, Paul writes, I received from the Lord that one uh, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you, do this, and remember it's with me, share the bread. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for these emblems that represent the gift of your salvation, the death on the cross for our sins, the perfect sacrifice, only you, nothing else, can do. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And we ask that you would renew our minds and, and change the way we think and cause us to be stronger in our walk with you, Lord. And we also look, there, look ahead to that day when we come again and we share this all together in the body of Christ, the love of God. The, the kingdom of God. And we just look for that day and long for it. We think of the purpose of Maranatha come soon, Lord Jesus. And we look for that day. And as we close, we ask, Lord, that you would go with us, cause us to be the, the children of God you want us to be in the days to day things that you have ahead of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close, please?
Voice of the Martyrs information on out here, and also we have the 